0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things football, basketball, recruiting. Uh, I'm your host Zach Shaw. On the phone lines, as always, Steve Lorenz. And today, other than like signing day and maybe a couple big visit weekends in the fall, uh, this is probably about as much of a recruiting time of year as there is. They had a big visit camp weekend last weekend. They have a big visit weekend. I think with with a, with a camp this weekend, so we're going to talk about that first. Uh, depending on how long that goes, because I'm not actually sure exactly, you know, what we're going to discuss with Steve. But depending on how that goes, we'll, we might have some football stuff at the end. Uh, probably going to put off football or not football, basketball and hockey for for another week. Uh, there is some hockey changes going on, but I think there is some value to letting that shake out for another week. Uh, just to see where things stand. But anyway, Steve, big weekend this past weekend and and they did get two commitments and we can talk about them in a moment. but the big thing that you mentioned were the offers, uh, lots of offers going out and some intriguing ones. I guess who who stands out to you or what what offers should Michigan fans you know keep an eye on?
1: Well, I mean, one of them's already. Verbally committed yesterday in uh, Belleville cornerback Andre Seldon. Who, if you, it's Seldon's interesting to me. Uh, kind of one of those guys that, like, is one of the best players at every single camp that he attends. If you look at his profile, you go down the list, it's like top performers, top performers, top performers, and he goes anywhere and everywhere. Uh, to camp, get better, uh, become a player, that type of stuff. So uh, he was one of the intriguing ones to me. I think that was pretty much a done deal after they offered. Got a very good endorsement from Jordan Lewis, who has trained with him. I posted yesterday, I think Lewis called him a transcendent talent. Lewis also mentioned to me, it didn't get in the article, but he said that he would say that Selden is next in Detroit, uh, at the cornerback position, kind of taking the proverbial torch from maybe the Lewis to Lavert to Ambry Thomas to Seldon. I know there's a little bit of a gap there, but, um, you know. Now, Lewis pumps up a lot of people that he, he
0: knows and, and trains with. He pumps them up a lot, but you've talked to him quite a bit over the years. This is legit. This isn't smoke blowing, right?
1: yeah they've been they've been big on him like all year, like pretty much since he started to get recruited. um I know Crowell at Belleville's really high on him and and he's the guy that really at the end of the day, he's the guy that helped develop all these guys right and I think the thing with Seldon is he um, had that same approach, the aggressive, you know, almost like being disrespected every time somebody steps across the line from your approach, that's the same way that Lewis was, uh, Levert a little bit different. Levert's always just more of been a quieter, uh, kid, but in Ambry, the same way though. Uh, you know, so not the, t- I know the the size was a thing that, you know, the typicals complained about after the commitment, but really a guy I think could fit into the nickel slot if they need him to. But, but really, I mean, I mean, I don't know if you're going to put him against a six-five, six-six guy at the end of the day, but but I think he's definitely a guy capable of covering on the outside. So, you know, that was a big step forward for them. Another offer that was pretty much a certainty. I'm a little bit surprised maybe they hadn't offered at this point, um, but it was Michael Drennan out of Dublin, Ohio, just outside of Columbus. Uh, you know. I already put a crystal ball in there. I think they all were Ohio State until then. Um, kid that really is, is Michigan's, you know, we talked a little bit about them doing a good job, a better job in Ohio, making guys priorities, getting guys on campus. uh, You know, Al Washington, the primary driver there. I think Drennan is one of the guys that I, I really feel like they're going to have a very, very, very legitimate chance with because of how early they got in. I mean, this is, I think is third, third or fourth visit to campus already, um, and he's a very, very good prospect. I know, I think he's ranked. I am, he's 192 right now in 2020. I can tell you for a fact, you know, it's because there were I think some that had mentioned his his film was a little underwhelming. I can tell you for a fact that he looked better at both the Ohio State and Michigan camp than he did on his film. Uh, I know he blew the coaches away at Michigan. Like I said, I feel like they were going to offer anyway. Uh, But they, you know, they really, he made them offer him uh, with his performance. So we'll see. I mean, you know, how long does Ohio State wait? I don't know. He did camp really well there too, as I just mentioned. So, you know, I suspect that Ohio State will offer at some point. Uh, Just don't, you know, obviously can't predict when. So um, the longer they don't, the better I feel like it bodes for Michigan. But either way, I think Michigan is, is going to be right there in the end regardless. So um, so that was a noteworthy offer. Uh, Khalil Branham, who also committed, is a guy that, if you actually go back and, and look at his Twitter, uh, he was hashtagging everything go blue for months before gotcha. like, they offered. So it was kind of one of those deals where, I actually feel like I kind of dropped the ball there because I probably should have seen uh hmm. I, I was aware of who he was, very aware actually uh you just never know you know with with this staff with any staff you don't know when they're gonna offer and if they are right so you can't I don't like to make crystal ball predictions necessarily on anticipating a kid being offered um but this one maybe again this kid's he's straight out of Columbus. Uh, at Northland, which is a very familiar program to Michigan fans if they follow the basketball team. Uh, It's where Trey Burke went to school. So, um, you know, they've had luck there. Not that that really will have any impact on how Khalil plays in a a football uniform, but still. um, So, yeah. I mean, so really kind of hitting the regional areas, really hard at these at the camps last week I know they offered a couple more in-state kids Ian Stewart DeVell Washington both uh, receivers Washington's a receiver for sure Stewart could be an athlete Um, I anticipate he'd probably be a receiver recruit so uh, they did a great but they got a lot of the kids that they've already offered up too, like Braden McGregor from Port Huron's a kid in 2020 that you know I think they're in good shape with early got him back on campus Um, bunch I mean kind of forgetting just most of their in-state 2020 their major targets 2020 you go to 2021 still Raheem and on a cast tech is kind of the next guy there got him back up there uh so really i think uh you know you usually get the in-state guys up for camp but i think they did a better job this this june or this cycle of of getting as many of the best in-state kids up and, and top kids from ohio up for the camp Maybe the ones that either they'd offered or were going to offer, wanted to offer, you know, to lead into the big recruiting weekend this weekend. So, yeah, I think a few, I think a few more guys that they offered over the weekend are guys that will eventually commit to them, what, whatever class they may be in. So, um, so yeah.
0: Okay. So you mentioned the two commitments, so we don't need to ask. It. So, as far as trending, because cause we were not. Allowed to go to these camps? It, apparently, they're cracking down on on the rules to the NCAA or or whatever it is. But from what we've heard, is there anyone? Because they had some visitors too, uh, some some pretty heavy hitting 2019 ones, some 2020 ones as well. Anything from this past weekend? I know Crouch was in town. Uh, I'm I looked it up while you were talking, but now I'm blanking on on who else was in town. But there's some other big ones too. Any any major notes, even if it wasn't this guy got an offer, as far as trending, whether a player is trending up, like they had very good camps, so they're moving up in Michigan's board, or Michigan is moving up in these recruits' boards because of a successful weekend?
1: Uh, well, the natural one would be David Ojavo, the defensive end out of New Jersey, who Really is, is in my opinion, this is just my opinion, and we don't have a really much say or any say on the rankings, but he's a virtual lock to move up into four star territory. Um, he's played football for one year. He's, oh, okay. He ran, <laughs> yeah, he, he ran a 10 9 3 100 yard dash at 236 pounds this spring. Uh, just a freak. He blew this completely blew the... I mean, he again, sort of similar to Drennan in that Ojabo already had an offer uh, and was going to be highly recruited by the staff anyway, but this was like a eye-opener performance for him at the camp. Um, he's got Ohio State, he's got Notre Dame, he's got Penn State, he's got all the big ones. Uh, so, you know, and Michigan now trending very heavily on the crystal ball. Uh, I think they're in really good shape there. Would be... Their biggest recruiting win in a while, I guess, as far as, like, you know, beating. Because any of those schools would take him. Penn State, Ohio State, Notre Dame. Yep. Texas A&M is another one that's heavily involved. I mean, there's a lot of national programs that want this kid. And as we pointed out,
0: like, ten times in this podcast history, that the offer list is probably more important than the current star rating. Because the offer list is schools that want this guy. As opposed I to, I think,
1: you know. I think so. I think so. I mean, sometimes, you know, if it, if a lot of schools offer early, um, you know, yeah, I guess you're right. You're right. Off. Yeah. But yeah, so it's not always, it, it's still a case by case basis, but on th- in this case, all those schools would still take a verbal commitment from him. So it's significant. And like I said, for those that are worried about the star stuff, uh, I suspect he's a all but certainty to move up into four-star territory i mean there's those are the, just based solely based on the way that 24 7 like barton and, and steve wilfong the way that they rank guys he has all of the physical attributes that they look for uh again a guy that size to run a sub 11 100 yard dash is crazy and you said he um, was a
0: defensive end
1: yeah, I mean he so could
0: So is there plans could, for him to yeah. put on weight cuz I mean yeah. 236 is yeah. kind of small for.
1: Right. Yeah. So he's like more he's he's probably the size of a weak-side guy right now but he's again I'd put him into that Plato territory where they'll just kind of put some see if what kind of weight they want to put on him and then move him some. You know what I mean? I like, he can project to a few different spots up front. Uh he's different than Hinton who I think is a certain, almost a certainty to move inside or maybe to the Wormley spot. Um, You know, is just, he's a big human being. Um, Ojabo. I kind of tend to think he's still an outside guy. Uh, Maybe kind of reminds me of Luigi Valen a little bit, Um, but yeah, I mean, again, again, a virtual lock to see his ranking move up. I'm interested to see if it's, Cause I don't know if he, I don't think he's going to the opening or any of those. I, I could be wrong on that. Uh, so he wouldn't get the chance there, but, uh, could be after some senior film or, I mean, it could just be based off of opinions of college coaches. I can tell you one thing. I know Michigan would put a four, four stars behind his name. A hundred percent. I think it was one of the better camp performances they've had in a while. So, um, so yeah, so Ojabo definitely won. And then, uh, With Crouch, yeah, I posted on him today. I think Michigan has a real shot there. Uh, Doesn't mean he's going there. Doesn't mean I said that I think he's going there. There's no crystal balls in yet for Michigan. Um, You know, we'll see what happens there. I I do think it's Michigan or Tennessee right now as things stand. Um, But they've been here before with some guys, haven't finished. So, you know, we'll just see how they finish on this one. It's never easy ACC, SEC area kids, you know. I mean, they've done it. They've proven it, you know, with Nico Collins or the Aubrey Solomon and a few other guys uh, in those areas. But um, Do you think you he's know.
0: someone where – because I think there's like a common belief, and I don't know that it's wrong, but it might be one of those things where Michigan fans are putting more stock into it than than maybe they should. But is it one of those things where if Michigan is – Say eleven and one, playing in some form of championship game. New Year's six playoff. Bowl. is it is it one of those things where he's looking for that from them, or is this one of those things where he's deciding more family verse versus coming up north?
1: Well, it's funny you say that. I mean, it's because it's always kind of a tough question because no kid's ever going to go on the record and say I'll go to this school if they win X plus games. Right. But no, but you're no, but you're not wrong either though in that, you know, they can't lay a crap on the field this year and expect to reel in a kid like that on signing day, right? So I think it's a mix. I know from the, the what you talk about, the other side of the things, the academics, the family feel, the just, again, Michigan has done an excellent job in this recruitment and connecting with the kid, connecting with his camp.
0: He was the guy uh, that on his first visit, they had him hang out with Chris Evans at like Chris Evans, little foundation youth camp deal. And it was like a five day visit, right?
1: Called it the best visit that he'd been on at that point. And he had already been on quite a few at that juncture. Uh, Again, for him to come back up unofficially, you can't understate how big of a deal that is. Um, Again, especially you got to think like this is a kid who's got probably 20 coaching staffs hitting him up every day. We want you to play for us, play wherever you want, blah 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 you know so and and a lot of these kids, especially ones of his his ranking I guess and attention- the amount of attention he gets like a lot of times just kinda you know tune it out, stop taking visits until they're officials, that type of thing so for them to get him up unofficially again to me is very significant because it means Michigan's doing a I'm guessing this is based on history. I think about it with the Najee Harris recruitment. I know one reason Michigan stayed in it is because they were patient with the kid. They allowed him to do the process on his own, the way he wanted to do it. You know, they weren't bugging the hell out of him, pressing him to come up all the time, blah, blah, blah. So, um, you know, that's, that matters. in some of these, I know I've been told crouch is a great fit in Ann Arbor, uh, on and off the field. I know he's a big into like some philanthropy. I've read a couple articles about him like back in the day about being into philanthropy, giving back type thing. And the, I feel like those are the types of kids Michigan tries to hone in on. Um, yeah. It doesn't, doesn't hurt that he's a five-star running back, right. <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean? But still though, like we talked about last week or with the, with the fit, um, or a couple we, I don't know, we talked about it at some point about looking for a, the fit. Um, so, yeah, we'll have to see there. They've done a hell of a job in that one, though. I mean, this, you can only do so much. You can't force the kid to choose your school. And uh, I think they've put themselves in a great position, though, to potentially be the one he chooses. I really do think they're they're right in it. But, again, Chris, no crystal ball yet. you know. So, people – you write a positive report, and the yeah. first thing people say is, like, Oh well, getting set up for uh, another letdown again, and it's like I get if I was a fan or a reader or a user, I would be pissed if the only time I would—I mean, I wouldn't really get pissed about where a kid chooses to go to school, but it's going to happen. Um, is like when the crystal ball is wrong, and until and until you start seeing Michigan crystal balls come in for him, I mean, I would just. I just, if I was a follower of this stuff, I'd just keep my expectations the same. I mean, that's, you know, yeah, can write a positive report, but there's no crystal ball in yet. So from my standpoint, that doesn't mean I'm confident enough to feel like he is actually going to choose Michigan, right? So right.
0: Well, and even if but, there are crystal balls, like, you know, recruits are just right. going to pick what they pick. You know, they've got a lot of options. And by the way, you know, as far as like being in championship every year, of the five crystal ball predictions that have been made to give you a sense for how early that is though. But uh, two are to South Carolina, one's to Tennessee, you know, and they're not, they're not any closer than Michigan is to a, to a championship game
1: of, of any kind. So, right. I think Tennessee's got that new car smell a little bit with, yeah. with Pruitt. Um, and Pruitt's also a really good recruiter though. I mean, he is, I mean, that's, I think that's partly why Tennessee hired him. I and mean, they're he's an, they're he's... pretty
0: close to Charlotte. You know, it's not yeah. like it's this, right. it's definitely a lot
1: close to Ann Arbor. So I cool, man. Knoxville, that's a great campus. They got there. I mean, I could see a kid. If I was a high school kid, I'd consider Tennessee. I mean, that's just well, and they do the- have
0: they've produced some good running backs in the NFL. I mean, Absolutely. Michigan, this is kind of off topic, but, you know, they haven't had a draft pick at the running back position. I'm not counting Denard. They haven't had a draft pick at the running back position since Mike Hart, and they haven't had a star in the NFL since who Wheatley was he the last one?
1: yeah, and was he i mean, I guess you can call him a star, but not necessarily even a star really and
0: and like, you know so, and I was looking I think I got into an argument on the board. you know how that board can suck you in sometimes uh yeah. and and it's like Ohio State has a couple stars, you know, top fifteen running backs in the NFL uh Penn State's about to. Wisconsin has a couple in the top 15. I mean even Toledo, Michigan State. Uh you know, I mean you can go down the list, there's a lot of It's it's just one of those things that Michigan Yeah, we're we're way off topic now, but
1: No, but I I understand. I know it's It's, it's a tougher yeah, position per- to
0: seal the deal, I think right. for Michigan because, you know, defensive end it's like you know, they're going to be in every single top 100 defensive end. Every single one of them's going to at least look at Michigan. Right. You know, right. not Depends not quite any, the same. I
1: mean, really, at this point, almost any defensive
0: prospect. Um, yeah, yeah, you well, got to think it, cornerbacks it, getting there too, right? What well, about well, linebacker? I mean, yeah.
1: linebacker. It's like you well, know, the linebacker.
0: So. I almost think that'll be like a 2020 deal. I mean, you you did the report on the 2019 linebacker, so maybe I'm wrong. But right. but like I I almost wonder if people are looking and being like, well, they've got like five four star linebackers on the bench right now. You know, because cause they got exactly what they are hoping to get out of Clee Hudson and Devin Bush. So,
1: well, I mean, they only yeah. had to take the one with McGrone. Yeah. Last year, you know, they that's like you, you want a perfect bridge between 17 and eight. I mean, 17, they get Singleton, they get Ross, they get Anthony. Mm-hmm. And then they followed up in 18. It's like they don't need many, but they get the number one outside linebacker in the country in, in McGrone. So, yeah. Um, yeah no, I mean linebacker you know is a spot they can afford to wait on deloach Kalen deloach who's who's their definitely their top target of the position gotcha
0: yeah and and so so the to round out the point that I was trying to make there i mean it it's it's probably very encouraging that he came up here twice on his own dime, and I think that bodes well for him possibly making an official visit to Michigan in the fall. But it's still an uphill battle. Like you can, as you said, you can it, be positive without saying this is going to happen.
1: It's and, an uphill battle. That's a, it's like it's it's an uphill battle for every school that's still recruiting him, though. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. You know what, like
1: it's yeah. It's uh. You know, it's. I mean, I, I you could. You could definitely make the argument that Michigan's on top right now, but that doesn't, like you said, I don't. To me, that doesn't mean that it's still not going to be an uphill battle. Mm-hmm. It's a weird way of saying it, but anybody who's followed recruiting should understand what I'm trying to say when I say that. Right. Um, and I'm not saying that in a SEC type. Mean I don't mean that in a hmm. read between the lines SEC type way. I'm just saying literally for a prospect of that uh, caliber, every team every is going to feel
0: like they won the lottery if they got it, him. Exactly. Yeah. So, number you know, one running so, back in the 2019 class. Yeah.
1: 100%. Uh, I guess technically he's an athlete. He's an uh, athlete now. So, he might, I mean, it's play where you want. Yeah. It's <laughs> really what like, we've we talked true. about him before. Yeah. I mean, we're pretty much saying, and it's not just, I mean, every school is just like, you know, just come play for us and we'll figure you can play where you want. You well, that's where
0: better. maybe if, if Ben Mason has a good year, maybe they sell it that you can play both sides and figure out a way I to mean, make he, it work.
1: I feel like you know, Michigan and, and Harbaugh going back to Stanford can sell history of successfully playing. Yeah, games on both yeah sides they did it with well.
0: Marichik, and I think if they I did they do it with anyone else there? Uh but Harbaugh has in his last like five years of coaching, he has two Hornung trophy winners. Right. Of very different statures. So. Yeah. I hadn't, hadn't not really a, thought about that. Not but... a
1: recruiting pitch you would think of, a lot about, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll play on both sides of the ball. Here's some Hornig trophies <laughs> to prove it. You know? Like, yeah. Not the
0: first thing you
1: think that they'd be pulling out. But, no, it makes total sense.
0: Yeah. So, uh, let's, um, let's talk about this weekend because I, I went to your free – that that you should check out to get the full list. But the the visitors this weekend, because there were pretty, it was a pretty stocked visitor group last weekend. And if you if there's someone else I forgot to ask you about, you can feel free to add them in there. But I mean, this one, you know, there's obviously the commitments in Chris Hinton, Carson Barnhart. Uh, is there any other commitments? But then Walmart. there's also, you know, uh, is it Trent or Trenty Jones, Zach Harrison? uh Rodus Johnson, Mozzie Smith is a big one, Lance Dixon, this is a big big chance Dixon's Trevor. not coming. Oh. All right.
1: Sorry. No, you're fine.
0: Uh, uh Trevor Keegan uh uh Carpenter a commit um so on and so on. There's 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 a whole bunch of names. Uh <laughs> This is a this is a big visit weekend for a, for a non-football Saturday. I agree. Yeah. You. So I guess I, 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 what, uh, what are you hearing as far as things to keep an eye on? I, I see some recruiting reporters have done like their little eye emojis to suggest that they think a commit is coming. Um, jeez. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I what's, where, where are you at with, with all of this? I mean, it's a huge visit. Any, any storylines to, to, for listeners to keep an eye on?
1: I mean, keep an eye on the crystal ball, obviously, I think the crystal ball is a good indicator of the direction that this week weekend may go with some guys. Uh, I would expect at least one verbal, if not more, I mean, just based off of the way this seems to kind of be setting up so uh to me, kind of one of the bigger things is a couple guys I think I think Lewis sign the uh, top 100 safety who's now playing in Cedar Hill, Texas. He's originally was, I feel like he's been all over the place. I think he he grew up in Florida. He moved up to Massachusetts, which is really, you know, the thing with sign Michigan's pretty much the school that discovered him. He's another satellite camp discovery. Michigan was evaluated him and watched him before anybody else did. Uh, He's now a top 100 prospect. Uh, they, I mean, basically, I, I feel if I remember right, Don Brown asked him. They watched him, they liked him. Don Brown asked him if he'd go out and play cornerback and cover some guys. He could, he did it easily, and Michigan was after him ever since then. So, but all that being said, this is his first trip to Michigan, and uh, safety is kind of that one spot where they've recruited some, I'd say, intriguing like high ceiling guys, but I think it's almost maybe the one position where they haven't maybe gotten something that I feel like they believe is a sure thing necessarily. So I think he's a very important recruit for them this weekend. Uh, And again, it's his first visit. Penn state holds a huge crystal ball lead. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any doubt that they do lead right now, but I also don't think he's, like shutting the door on other schools. And Michigan is definitely one of them that has a real shot. So uh, he's one I'm interested to see what comes out, what, where the weekend comes out with. Wandale Robinson is a guy that has flown up the board. Um, about maybe a month or two ago, Michigan was battling the Purdue's and Kentucky's of the world for him. And now Alabama's in. Ohio State is in uh, all three of those programs two counting Michigan all three of them though Michigan Alabama Ohio State I believe would would take Robinson I know Michigan would uh, kind of a Michael Barrett I guess which we can kind of answer that question that somebody asked on Twitter right now with that just kind of throw that in is that Barrett is a I believe will initially be used as primarily a slot receiver who will, could get some carries in the backfield. Uh, I think they're just going to find some different ways to use him, but I do think slot would be the primary spot for him starting out. I think Robinson's the exact same way uh, for them in in this cycle. So, and, and really, I mean, just turn on the film for this kid. Again, another guy that I'm, I'm kind of, it's a little odd to me that he's only a three-star um, again complain that he's a three-star and if Michigan gets him when Alabama and Ohio state would have gladly taken a verbal commitment from him. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens there. He's been up to Michigan uh, before this will be a second visit. So I think that'll be an interesting one. And then Eric gray. Yeah.
0: yeah, That's a big one.
1: Yeah. The nation's top all purpose back according to us. I think he's a top 100 prospect, according to 24-7. Really a bizarre recruitment, in my opinion. Um, you know, a couple months ago, I think Mississippi State or Arkansas uh, might have been the destination there. And, you know, flip to now, and, and it's this is actually kind of a Michigan-Penn State battle all of a sudden. Um I think Michigan, I've I've posted this a couple times, it's not really new news anymore. I think Michigan could have had him earlier in the process if they wanted. I think they were, because Gray's not your, like I said, we have him listed as an all-purpose back. I think they wanted to kind of see where they were with more of the classic-style running backs, just spots-wise and stuff. Now I think they're right back in on him. Uh, that one I'm really interested to see what comes out of that one. I could see the crystal ball turning there a little bit, depending. Uh, just especially based on the fact that nothing came in for Penn State. He just officialled there. And also noteworthy that he chose to officially visit Michigan this weekend instead of uh, go to Alabama. So Because Alabama was trying to get him up this weekend, and he chose to go to Michigan instead. So uh, those are like three guys specifically that I'm really interested on. Um, obviously the Zach Harrison stuff, we'll see. Um, again, if, if Harrison doesn't choose Ohio state, it's going to be a deal where the crystal ball is going to be a hundred percent Ohio state until the very last minute, because nobody is going to, nobody's going to even fathom the idea that he'll choose anybody <laughs> else. So, um, and, and I think again, you come back, I think it's Michigan, Penn state are the two schools that are given. Ohio State the biggest run for their money. So, um, you know, obviously he's a he's on campus today, today being Thursday, along with Aeneas DeCosmo, who, again, like Wandale Robinson, like DeCosmo is somebody who is not a three-star prospect, in my opinion. So um, kind of one of those DeCosmo uh, hybrid linebacker defensive end type out of New Jersey, another Chris Partridge recruitment. I think that's a Michigan, Notre Dame, Stanford battle. UCLA possibly too. He just got offered, got the offer from them. I think he's going to take an official out there too. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a big one. I mean, this is yeah. a good, be a good, good opportunity for them to maybe continue to build that 2019 class, maybe pull out a surprise or two, and and then also, like I said, build sort of build a bridge heading into the season. You know, they do still have the barbecue coming up in July, which is also another really huge, always a huge recruiting weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one, because it's a, because it includes official visits, uh, is going to be pretty significant in a lot of the races I mentioned.
0: Yeah, yeah. And So some of the other names, uh, well, I guess there's two that I'm thinking of because they're the two four-stars where Michigan has a crystal ball lead. And I know you... You put out a primer for Mozzie Smith, who is 100% of the crystal balls are are to Michigan right now. And then Trevor Keegan. We did get a question. Someone wanted to know, do you, Iggy K, is it true that OSU is leading for Trevor Keegan at this point? I guess with those two, and I thought there was oh. another one uh, that was like people kind of thought it was like like, you know, someone that they think the shoe will drop, at some point that in that they'll, they'll commit to Michigan. Uh, any, any thoughts on them? I know, I know Keegan, I feel like he's one of those ones that like, like, I feel like I've heard his, when I hear someone's name a lot, cause I'm not like writing the recruiting stories, uh, it probably means that they're talked about too much. I don't know. I guess where are you at with, with some of these, some of the other names? I'm trying to think who else, uh, did we, did you talk about, it says Karen Williams. I assume it, that's my laptop auto correcting Kyron. Is he coming? No, he'll. Okay. He will
1: probably be verbally committed to ordained by the time you publish this podcast. Actually. Oh, I well, think never mind. Today, so, <laughs> All right. Um, no, I, I, I mean, for those who. I, I can go down the list of the guys who aren't going to show that are on the original list I wrote. That would be. Just gonna, I
0: should have done I'm that with be you before the show. <laughs> no, I'm just going to be honest.
1: I just don't really feel like editing the article. Um, let's see here. All, Eric All was already on campus. Uh, Velasquez was there. Kyron Williams will not be there. Lance Dixon will not be there. Rodis Johnson camped. Okay. Um, now, Jones, Trent Jones, the commit, I'm not 100% sure he's coming still. I know he was. I don't know if he is still. Um, DeMonte Crooms did not come either, the former Louisville commitment wide receiver. So um but otherwise, everybody else has either been on campus or will be on campus. So, Okay. Um, but as far as Keegan, uh, it's Michigan or Ohio State. Uh, I, I don't really, you know, with the whole, you know, I'm not a weatherman, or maybe, uh, maybe that wasn't the right way to say it. Uh, I'm going to plead weatherman and just <laughs> say, yeah, no, it's a 50% chance of rain. No, it just feels like a really close, close race. I think these visits – see in Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State this weekend. I think we'll know after that what the deal is. Does seem to be some discrepancy, though. I know, well, say Bryce Marriage on our site has done a really good job of the Keegan recruitment, and he's been adamant that that Michigan's eventually going to be the choice. I know Will Fong feels that Ohio State is ahead. Um, oddly enough, like, it's like what I hear is in the middle like, is that it's kind of up in the air still. Mm-hmm. My crystal ball's still on Michigan. We'll see. Michigan's offensive line class is really nice anyway at this point. I think Keegan would kind of be a cherry on the top, uh, and there are some other tackles they're in on. I think that uh, would be good consolation prizes. I don't know. I don't mean that negatively towards the other prospects, but it's clear that Keegan's kind of their top guy right now. Right. So, um, Does that
0: help them that, that he's – because I don't know what Ohio State's lineman recruiting is like, but does that help that they're like, you're our cherry
1: on top? I think so. Well, yeah, because he's he's clearly a tackle, and I don't know if there's anybody else outside of Jones, but the other four guys that are committed besides Jones are guys that really – I think Carpenter's an interior for sure. Um, Rumler's an interior. And then Barnhart and Stewart are guys that really, who knows, you know, are guys that could play anywhere. Um, so, you know, they and they need they need straight up tackles so they can tell him like, hey, like, you know, like Zach Carpenter committing to Michigan did not, as a fifth offensive line commitment, did not affect like Keegan's recruitment with Michigan, right? Because he's okay. a pure interior guy. Um,
0: They'll be buddies so. this weekend.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, (laughs) Zach has become, they've, you know, the whole, like, I've talked a lot about the whole recruits, recruiting recruits thing is is a little over, overplayed as far as the impact it has. But when you get everybody in a big group like that, then it can make a difference um, a little bit more than it can by just like tweeting Mm -hmm. at a kid or telling him he should come play on Twitter and tagging him and stuff. (laughs) And then having anonymous fans like send that picture of Predator with a Michigan helmet on it saying, go blue, come play, it. Come play at the big house. Like pointed you know. shot at some of our listeners. No, I, no, you know what I mean though? Like, yeah. Like yeah. 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 Getting, but having like multiple commitments on campus in a, in a large group, like, like what they're setting up this weekend is, can be more of a factor on, a, in a recruit as far as like how much a recruit enjoys his visit. Um, uh, then, like then, yeah, then doing it, yeah, on social media and stuff like that, gotcha, uh,
0: is there anything else I'm supposed to ask about recruiting?
1: I think that I mean that I'm kind of done talking about it to be honest with you, <laughs> all
0: right, let's switch to football, <laughs> uh because we got we got to, we got some time uh i did I'm doing a series of the three biggest off season questions, and that. I probably should have figured out a better way to market it because these are like, this is not just like a a, a clickbaity BuzzFeed type article, like three this or ten this or whatever. Like, it's, it's pretty in-depth, so hopefully people check that out. Uh, but I did, I collected, so I did three questions on all the different offensive position groups. And I collected the ten biggest offseason questions for Michigan's offense. Uh, I'll be running defensive end probably by the time about half of our listeners listen to this podcast. But anyway, uh, Steve, you were able to look at that list, and it's one of those things where, you know, the I think the the early ones like you know how good is how good Ben Mason because I forgot to include the is when I initially published it, <laughs> which is a very ben, ben Mason, Mason yeah. yeah, very Ben <laughs> Mason way to ask that question. How good no, Ben Mason? No, uh, but then you know not- also uh how chris evans is going to be used because he was i mean he caught 16 of 19 passes last year for like 9.5 yards per attempt you know and and we're talking about a offense that really couldn't do much of anything in the passing game so those numbers really stood out uh, there's there's other ones like uh you know does is michigan going to go with two tight ends or or one tight end or not two tight ends or one tight end, but like it's is it gonna be like one star or is it gonna be two three hundred to four hundred yard receiving tight ends again? How's that gonna go down? Uh the number three running back is obviously a notable question that, that kind of requires uh you know, I, I broke down what I what I thought of all of them. Uh personally I'm I'm leaning towards Samuels, but I I really like Barrett. You know, of all those three running backs, I know all three like someone different in our system has said that they're way underrated and they can make they can make an instant impact. Right. Barrett, Barrett, I'm I'm on Team Barrett if we're if we're splitting it up between Hassan Haskins, Christian Turner, and Michael Barrett. But uh, uh, you know the big ones though. Well, let me ask you, what was what what do you think? You know, because I I did the top ten, I just kind of like just threw the order in of what I thought roughly. But what what was one that stood out to you as like a really big? question because we're not we're not providing answers because we don't know the answers but like something that michigan's probably circling and thinking you know this if we can figure out how this question area in our offense is solved uh that's going to do a a lot of things for us oh
1: boy um (laughs) you you know what it's going to be because we've been talking about this for like a year now is I, I mean I think getting Evans involved in the passing game is <laughs> yeah. gonna open no but I think it I think it opens up so much. Um uh, it negates not saying I mean I think the pass protections obviously is is huge too but a strong screen game can negate an uber aggressive pass rush, you know, that Michigan's gonna see against the Michigan states and Ohio states. Um and I mean, I let's say, how do I say this? Very confident that Michigan is going to get Evans more involved in a lot of different ways this year. Um, well, it I became pretty
0: obvious think. against Ohio State, like, like oh yeah, but, you know, I think they always thought they could do it. I just don't know. if I don't know what what was up. But. No,
1: I wondered that too. I, I, I the way it's like almost as if they were saving it. Um, I don't necessarily if that's what they were doing I don't necessarily agree with it just because yeah I mean I think Evans has got I think he was a disappointing player last year but I don't think it was his fault I guess I think he's so he's capable of so much more than what he did last year and I think it's almost like he like they need to unleash him sort of you know type thing and uh so I think this year you'll see more of that. Yeah. And uh, I think that's one thing really that can just, you know, where you look at the possibilities everywhere else, particularly at tight end, and just it, it can – you can have defense's heads spinning, you know, if you are have so many different types of weapons out there on the field, you know, and yeah. so you consider – again, we we've – kind of smashed the shea patterson is johnny manzel light <laughs> talk. but his feet are still a, wep- a potential weapon in yeah. certain instances and you know you add that and you got gentry who i think we've kind of beaten that one to death i mean he's right like now. six
0: foot eight 265 yeah. pounds and runs a four five
1: yeah no he's he's they made the right decision in moving him, he will play in the NFL someday. I mean, there's almost zero doubt in my mind about that. So I never even saw um, him play
0: quarterback. Could he have done that with quarterback too? Been been that um, dual threat that Michigan fans so badly
1: want now. <laughs> I mean, what Texas? I mean, he had a lot of really. I think Bama offered him a quarterback. He's the. I mean, he yeah yeah he had a lot of great offers at, at quarterback. Um, but y- you just have to watch him again. Go back to the Ohio State game you just watch that film and you can see that he's a future pro in my opinion. Uh, So, so, you know, you have that. And then again, the expected emergence of the receivers. Um, Mm, So I think it's a lot of skill position stuff is really what it comes down to, which is ironic because all we ever talk about is how the offensive line uh, needs to get better. I think the safest bet of these questions is the improvement under Warner um
0: yeah I was surprised this this yeah. I I did I did digging into specifically the pass protection because the run blocking I mean you know I'm sure there's someone some loony out there that thinks that you know that they're bad at it but they were fine at run blocking like if they were as good at pass blocking pass protection as they were for as they were at run blocking uh especially in the second half of the year they're probably looking at a 10 win season or more but the pass pro, man, that was – some of those stats were, were gaudy. I mean, they they were giving up the offensive linemen alone, so not counting the running backs, fullbacks, tight ends. The offensive linemen alone were giving up a quarterback pressure, one every 3.87 snaps. No, I mean, no. unbelievable. Yeah. But this – when I did the offensive line, it gave me a little bit more – it made me a little bit more optimistic because Ed Warner – uh, he did fine at Minnesota. I mean, it was basically as an equally inexperienced offensive line at Minnesota's Michigan, and they only gave up, uh, looks like 22 sacks versus Michigan's 37. So, you know, and they didn't pass as much.
1: But it was it was. Yeah, they had a bad passing attack. Minnesota yeah, had a pretty poor passing attack. But still, though, I mean it's yeah, it's like I, 15 less sacks. So, <laughs> like.
0: right, right. And then, but then Ohio State was the interesting one. And I know Ohio State was bad at more or less everything in 2011 before Urban Meyer came. But they were second, third last in the country, allowing 3.54 sacks per game. And then they moved up to 90th, dropping with a whole with uh, they went from 3.54 to 2.5. And then in the final three seasons, they were 37, 49, and 33rd, never allowing more than 1.9 sacks per game. Sure.
1: So and I, that's really yeah. the line that he piecemealed together, right? I mean, isn't it they're like a. Yeah. I mean, like I don't a, know a, if. You, former tight end, and then the, they moved a line, defensive lineman to the offensive side. I can't remember the names. I just remember the. Stories we've told about that national championship offensive line that Ohio State had their their offensive line was very it was like a, a mix of like unheralded guys and guys converted from other positions just kind of a weird hodgepodge of guys who uh ter- panned out to be studs yeah. under Warner I do think they know.
0: might have had a slightly better r- recruiting than than that statement suggests, but well, yeah I'm sure yeah no I mean it it was not yeah it was i mean he turned he turned a what could have been a real disaster
1: right it wasn't five top 100 guys that he was coaching right i mean yeah so
0: so that's it because i was gonna say that's probably the biggest question uh and even though i put it uh five you know that's the one i would probably move up i had to put the shea patterson ones up high because that's you know depending on what the answer is that will make or break michigan's offense i think you know if, if shea patterson's like a 3,600 yard passer this year, Michigan's going to be in really good shape and probably probably wins just about all of its games given that what what we think is going to happen on the defensive side. But if he's kind of a uh, you know 2,500 yard passer who throws you know 12 interceptions or something like that, then maybe it's a little different. So uh, I thought it was interesting because I didn't realize just how Bad like Jake Rudock and John O'Corn were before they came to Michigan. Like he turned, Jake Rudock was a lot worse than I thought. Like I thought he was like a quality quarterback that just thrived a little bit more. Like he was, he was pretty bad at Iowa, and he wasn't like a you know highly regarded recruit. And Harbaugh turned him into one of the better quarterbacks in Michigan football history in like a year. So, so I think that's interesting. Uh, I think, you know, he's Patterson's way more boomer bust. Uh, you know, I I another question was how they're going to use Patterson and as you mentioned, we kind of squ- we're squashing the dual threat narrative. I know Jordan Lewis called him a dual threat quarterback a couple weeks ago. Uh don't think that's accurate.
1: I mean, they may use him in, you know, like scenario. I was just I think it was more like there were there were there were people talking about him like he was Manziel, and it's like you look at Manziel ran for. I mean, he changed his number
0: it. to reflect Manziel, so that's so he kind of brought it up upon himself a little bit. But yep. yeah, like he's not gonna be a. I mean, Manziel basically did what Denard did, and
1: passed for like four thousand yards. <laughs> and one of the top passers in the country. Yeah. yeah. No. He Manziel is what Denard's ceiling would have been if he could have thrown the ball. Yeah, I mean that, that was you
0: know yeah so, yeah like instead of like a a two hundred two hundred game he had like four hundred two hundred games where he's just generating yeah. six hundred yards of offense against an SEC team and and just scoring like eight touchdowns or something so kind of Alabama too I mean, yeah he was a kryptonite to Alabama's defense so uh and then the receivers probably a, a worthy of a full discussion sometime but. I I was surprised, and you are not surprised because you called this one, and I was wrong, but freshman receivers at Michigan, really not a lot of history there. because no. Because I looked at the top ten receivers in Michigan's history. So Braylon Edwards, Anthony Carter, Jeremy Gallen, Imani Toomer, David Terrell, Mario Manningham, Roy Roundtree, Ty Streets, Marquise Walker, and Jason Avant, they averaged – receptions and 127.4 receiving yards their freshman seasons total total like all of their games all of their games averaging 127 receiving yards
1: didn't and what isn't that a semi skewed wasn't it wasn't one of them that really had a great freshman year
0: um yeah but i'm also counting the red shirts as zero zero because that's that's what we're looking at with some of these receivers. First year. Uh, yeah, that's the
1: thing is like if people's like we've said this, if people's Jones if Donovan had a quarterback who could have hit him consistently, he'd have probably smashed all those freshman records.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah, I think the did. I think the freshman record was 432 yards.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, it's not saying that he didn't struggle or that all of, you know, the it was all all due to quarterback play. But all things considered I thought his freshman season was was pretty solid when you again and that's not just a Michigan thing it's few and far between the true freshman's receivers just walk in the building and you know go for a thousand yards yeah like some, if you're a five star four star whatever it's very rare and a lot of times the ones who do it are the kids that play in the run and gun like right I was gonna off. say. 'Cause like no, lately
0: like, lately it's happened more where people come in and get 500, 600 receiving yards. But I I think that list, I mean, if, if Tariq Black and Donovan Peoples Jones turn out to be like those players as sophomores, because again, as sophomores, they average six hundred and forty five receiving yards. Right. And and uh forty two receptions. And and so if they turn out to be at that average or higher, because we are in an era where underclassmen make a little bit more of an impact than maybe when like Anthony Carter was playing uh, so so if they end up at like that average or higher Michigan's going to be in really really good shape uh, interesting thing to watch though because I mean you know I believe in the hype around Tariq Black and Donovan Peoples-Jones but it's it's a little different you know because they only have nine months to fix what was I, I actually like when I looked it all up And I considered, uh, you know, the the situations that were in place. Like, Michigan really didn't have enough upperclassmen tackles last year. And they didn't have enough guys that they recruited to be starters. They had more guys that that were recruited kind of to add to the depth. You know, and then quarterback, obviously two injuries. Can't totally fault them for having a bad season. You know, Tariq Black was injured. But, man, the receivers, the stat just blows my mind. Three touchdowns. Seven interceptions and 17 drops on passes thrown to them. Yeah. I mean, it's. It was surreal. It wasn't so. It's not a freshman
1: thing either, right? That's kind of the other. That is the other thing. But the yeah. difference is the owners this year will be on the freshmen from last year. I feel like they're going to be the. Does that lead into our other Twitter question, right? Uh, yeah yeah about, yeah a of their
0: yeah they asked about uh, Brandon Johnson asked about Nico C and Martin uh definitely had enough characters to spell out all both of their names but um <laughs> I I had heard Steve I don't know maybe you've heard something different I had heard they'd actually passed uh Grant Perry and I know I know Perry and McDoom will probably play a different position but like they as far as like who's gonna get targeted I had heard that they had Past the upperclassmen, I don't know if I, that is what you've heard as that. well.
1: I can definitely see that. Yeah, um, I think Martin is a guy that I know. Allen, true, our our Midwest guy, has been all over, very tight with the family. I feel like mentioned a couple months ago about him just maybe having a little bit of a transition to the college life, as far as like being away from home and and that type of jazz. Uh, Yeah, he talked
0: about it, and I think he was a little dinged up, too. Yeah. 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 Was it rotator cuff, I think? Yeah. Yeah.
1: He's locked and loaded now, though, and ready to go. Um, I mean, it's been a while, but when I saw him in person at the Army game, I mean, he was was definitely one of the two or three best receivers there that day. Um, You know, I think that's what pushed him. Question for you about
0: him, because when I talked to him in the spring – he, a lot of the things he said were very similar to what Donovan Peoples-Jones said. As far as, like, it took him a while to learn the playbook. That's probably, I think that's pretty well documented. That was normal across the board. But also the technique, that he had kind of been relying on his athleticism. I mean, yeah. I guess, do you see him as, uh, I guess, where you know, is that something that you saw when you saw him down there? Because you mentioned he looked very good. Was this like a freak uh, athlete, or was this someone who kind of had a Jeremy Gallon type deal where he could just find ways to get open and for some reason it didn't translate once he got to campus?
1: uh I think he was a little more polished oh, okay than donovan was I mean well I Donovan's guess. like
0: the extreme example though right he
1: is though, but, the, yeah. but that's still I mean he was like i mean just you watch donovan's film and it's it's like it's like one player's in fast forward. And all the other players are at regular speed. It's like, that, you know, and, it's like
0: that Serbian six foot 10 basketball player that went viral last week.
1: Yeah. On the eight foot know, rim. <laughs> exactly. And so, um, you know, Martin, I, I felt like was a little more polished. I think that's why he was so effective okay. in the one-on-one and, and the army game. Eh, but I mean, I'm, that being, yeah, no, no, because it's, I mean, it's, it's still a, that's still high school compared to the, to college though. I mean, it's still a huge difference. Okay. That's, You know what I mean? It goes back to the whole idea that it's rare for any freshman receiver, particularly in a pro style, the type of offense that Michigan likes to run. You know, I think the sense I get is Michigan, I mean, I don't think the receivers played up to what Michigan thought they were going to, but I also feel like they strongly assume there are going to be some major growing pains with the young guys. And in anticipation that this year, would be the year where these guys would start to take off that's why they you saw them get collins on the field too you know and um
0: yeah so. yeah i mean with him it was kind of like uh i remember i think it was the i can't remember who i was talking to about it but i was like yeah i thought maybe they would try to hang on red shirt and they were like and someone and whoever i was talking to it might have been you responded it was like i think they just decided in practice that once he figures it out, he's not going to use that red shirt.
1: Yeah. They need I mean, cause I think they want to use him next year. And, and if Martin had stayed healthy, I'm almost a hundred percent sure that he would have played last year too. So I think it's, they, they, they were ecstatic about the four that they got in 17 and believe that all four could make a major impact. So, and I, I, again, you talk about them passing some of the other guys. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, Still like Nate Shanley too as a guy that could do some things. Uh, well, yeah, I mean if he and Grant Perry and
0: Eddie McDoom are kind of your, you know, third third platoon guys, that's a pretty. I mean that's it's probably the deepest receiver receiving core in the in the Big Ten. I mean you could yeah, make it. You could look around the country.
1: So. I think so. I mean it's we're still in we're still basing that off of anticipated production, though, right? I mean, they still kind of got to go out and, and yeah. show it and do it. Yeah, prove it on I the field, to do more, say less. It, yeah, exactly. Do more, <laughs> yeah, say less. Um, but I think the potential's there, absolutely. Yeah. Do you and, think, um,
0: do you, from what, when, what you've gathered in, in your years of covering this, I mean, how, because it seems kind of, looking back, I think it it was, perhaps an oversight to have freshmen to kind of expect them to struggle and not have a full-time coach there. I know that they were confined for how many position coaches they could have, but, you know, know. they wow. have McElwain and, and Roundtree now. I, I would contend that's probably an improved group. Roundtree mentioned him on the list. He had a great sophomore year. I think he has a yep. sophomore record. Yeah. Most receiving yards as a sophomore. I mean, do you get the sense that this can be – this can be turned around in nine months, or is this something where it's like maybe you're looking at at next year?
1: No, I think it can be. I think I think the learning curve is, you know, you can't replicate how much the game game experience is worth for some of those guys. It's why it kind of stinks for them that Black got hurt. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, because Black would have, you could have argued, you really could have argued looking back now that he was their best receiver. He well didn't Harbaugh
0: say as much when he yeah, got he hurt. May have, yeah. He may have, yeah.
1: I mean, but that's to tell you what he's all you know, to tell you what Black is capable of, right? So, um you know, so Yeah as far as like the position coach stuff, uh whatever. Uh I think again that's <laughs> that's a that's a they finished eight and five thing, so let's blame some people. Um you know, sure. not, yeah, saying yeah, that, yeah. not saying that the new hires aren't going to help. Uh, I just don't. It's not as if they were. It's not as if the wide receivers were off in a corner, left in the garage, just them, to play. You know, yeah, <laughs> to yeah, like that's fair. All uh, right. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. I, yeah, I just think it's more that there was just a huge, the inexperience was just prevalent across the board. You know, so mm-hmm. uh, and the guys who were did have some experience. I think underwhelmed with the drops and the and just the struggles you know and so yeah well that's where you
0: might want to not you specifically but the the royal you you might almost want to be concerned because there's been quite a few highly touted receivers that have come in and drake harris mo ways you know they, they were okay as freshmen but they really did not step up uh, you know i i don't think grant perry is you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with him per se, but it's not like he blossomed into this all Big Ten receiver, and then Kakoa Crawford and Eddie McDoom did not either. Right. I mean, I, I, think, okay. I
1: think outside of I think outside of Drake, I think that all four of the guys they took in seventeen are much less likely to end their careers underwhelming than any of the other people you named. I guess. Okay. Drake's thing was he just got hurt a lot. I mean, it's just kind of a sad reality of it is that he was just constantly hurt early, um, you know, and never really gained his footing at Michigan, you know, which is really unfortunate because I'm, I'm actually kind of interested to see – I'm not kind of, I'm legitimately interested to see how he plays at Western Michigan this year because I I still think he's got something in the tank. Um, I just – it's, you know, being for the Grand Rapids area – He's not Kevin Grady, in my opinion, as far as, like, a guy that just flamed out. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Harris still has some talent, you know, and I, I've seen him play multiple. I mean, the kid just was on a different level in high school. And uh, I think he just got – had a stroke of bad luck his first few years – a couple of years at Michigan with the injuries and the and nagging injuries that, you know, really didn't allow him to progress on the field and probably in the weight room too. You're talking about a hamstring for a guy like him who I think the knock was he kind of needed to keep gaining some weight, but couldn't, um, you know, a hamstring injury is just, it's devastating in that regard. So, um, so, but yeah, the, the four guys in 17, I think are a, uh, I think they're much less likely to, not pan out than anybody else that you named
0: yeah i can see that i mean you know a couple of them already haven't already have done more you know i mean tariq black tariq black was technically on pace for that sophomore season the the 44 catches and uh 600 yards had he not been hurt so uh you know and i don't think that injury was one that is a risk to be re-aggravated i don't know about foot fractures that much but it's not like a it's not like an ACL or a concussion sort of situation. Um, last question, and then we can wrap it up. But with the tackles, I I was this is another one where I was I kind of went in and I, I ripped them at first because they ranked out of the top uh, 200 plus tackles that are that were qualified in Power Conference play last season. Uh, Runyon, Bushel, Beatty, and Ulysio ranked outside the top 150. In basically every way you can measure offensive linemen, pressures allowed, uh, impact run, run grades, this and that. Uh, but what I found out, I didn't find this out. I I did the research. Well, I guess I did find it out, but it wasn't like a discovery. But uh, in they only had five tackles, scholarship tackles on campus last spring, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. And, right. and that includes Draymond Hall, who who obviously has since left the team and, and did not play. Um, this year they have seven because they add Filiaga, Hudson, Stuber. I assume Joel Joel Hon- Honigford's uh, a tackle at least somewhat. And they, uh, oh anyway anyway let me let me run through the stat because they their average recruiting ranking was eighty eight point zero seven average size six foot five and two hundred and ninety seven pounds. This year's group, because they lose Cole, they add the three uh redshirt freshmen, eighty eight point four rating recruiting, height of five foot six foot five point seven, and a weight of thirteen or ten pounds more, two hundred and six. Three hundred and six. What yeah, it's like what? Yeah, um, sorry. <laughs> So, so it seems like it's a better equipped room. Like, cause, cause, my point with that is like, like you know, I don't know who is going to win these battles, but it seems like the competition is a little bit, like, it's a little bit more of a, of a competition than it was last last spring. Cause, you know, offensive line's a hard position to come in in the summer and find a way to produce right away. Like, it's kind of a, it's a tricky situation. Similar to wide receiver, freshman offensive lineman, rare throughout Michigan's history, a little more more common recently.
1: But it's like I, it's the damage from the 2013. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Class, <laughs> it's it that's it's not it was never it's it's a long term rebuild from that where it's like what happens is is like yeah you're gonna have some good some really good players kind of sprinkled in there, like a Glasgow or a Cole. But it, it's almost impossible to build a unit, a full unit, when you take six guys in one recruiting cycle and every single one of them either doesn't play, busts, or, like, completely underwhelms. I mean, that, that is – and then then add on top of that the Grant Newsom injury –
0: yeah, Well, that was huge. Because if they had had I mean, Cole and
1: Newsom, you yeah, probably fine. Those two those two things, the 2013 class and the Grant Newsom injury, have hampered Michigan's offensive line more than any, I'd say it, more than any coach, assistant, whatever, more than anything else. You know, because their offensive line was actually playing really well in 16 when Newsom was healthy. And I think you could see things coming together up front for him. Um, and then he got hurt. They had to shuffle out. They had to throw Ben Braden on the outside, who I think we've talked about before. Actually, did a pretty decent job, all things considered, getting thrown out there from the interior. Um, you know, and and I think now, and again, I feel like we've had this conversation before. We get asked about the tackles I,
0: about every week,
1: right? Yeah. But no, but no, like about the like. I feel like uh, now is about the time where they're finally starting to get a deep and talented unit of that's, you know, guys that are competing and it's not just a, okay, we got to hope these five guys are the ones that win the job. If they, if they, if one of these guys gets beat out, then we're going to be in big trouble, you know, kind of like what it felt like last year at right tackle, um, you know, where they really, really at the beginning of the year, I mean, struggle might be putting it kindly at right tackle. So, um, so yeah, I, it's, I think the depths is, they're finally starting to get there. I think this 19 class will solidify that for the, for, I think it's an important class for the future. Obviously they feel the same way too, if they're looking to take six again. Um, that's the thing when you take a class that big, I mean, you're pretty much saying these guys need to pan out. Yeah. The majority, the majority of them do. You know, and and for Michigan in 13, almost unfathomable to me. Uh, I mean, again, five of those six guys were guys that everybody wanted. You know, they weren't just guys Michigan took. I mean, these are recruiting wins that Michigan got over Notre Dame, Ohio State, Alabama, everybody. You know, and none of the guys panned out at all. So, um, so, yeah.
0: Yeah, well, I guess we'll see because I guess this is the year. I mean, as you mentioned, you're gonna have six uh, tackles in their second year or later. You're gonna have a whole bunch who have the size to to play the position. You do lose Cole, but you know if if the competition's a little bit more intense this year, you know a little bit less of a backing into the starting role. Although that's not to say that that's what happened. But, you know, I think I think that at times it looked like a little bit more of a, well, somebody's got to make the start. This year, maybe you're not saying that. Heard great things about Runyon and James Hudson's spring. But right. to me, to me, that's probably the biggest question mark. I don't know if it's the biggest question about Michigan's offense, but it's definitely the biggest question mark because...
1: Right, I I think that's fair. Yeah, as you far can... as, like, it's literally unanswered. Yeah,
0: like it's it's yeah. you can hypothesize all you want, uh, but that's going to be a huge, huge thing to look for. I mean, you know, people ask me all the time, like you know, what what's Michigan's record's going to be this year, and I'm like, well, I kind of want to see what the tackles look like in South Bend before I yep. say how they're going to do against everyone else, because if it's if it's you know again bottom tenth or twentieth percentile in every way, it, it's. It might be hard for them to get off the ground offensively. I think they'll be better equipped to do it this year, but still, I mean, you're talking—you know, you're talking about a, a unit that could be among the lower-rated units in the entire Big Ten on a team that is trying to be the best in the Big Ten. But anyway, that's going to do it for the podcast. Turned into a nice little productive football talk at the end there. Uh, yeah, next week will be defense. And and obviously, we'll have lots of recruiting intel and notes to share as well. Uh, For Steve Lorenz on the phone lines, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. We'll see you next time.